Hey there, I'm Joanne Tambrakis, and this is Marketing, Mindfulness, and Martinis. Unfiltered conversations, or as I like to say, opinions shaken, not stirred, on what's changing and what's not in business and in life as we enter into the next normal. So pour yourself your beverage of choice, and let's get to it. We have an extra special guest today. She is an international keynote speaker, the author of three books, including Life After College, Pivot, The Only Move That Matters Is Your Next One, and her newest book, which is launching on March 23rd, Free Time, Lose the Busy Work, Love Your Business, which we will be talking about today. She is the founder of The Pivot Method, a growth strategy company that helps forward-thinking individuals and organizations map what's next. She's also the host of what I like to refer to as the original Pivot Podcast, which has been running since 2015, and her newest podcast, which is called Free Time. Welcome to Marketing Mindfulness and Martinis, Jenny Blake. Thank you so much, Joanne, for having me. Longtime listener. I've been here since your first episode, so I'm just thrilled and delighted to be a guest. Well, thank you. Thank you. And actually, I was going to talk about that because you're one of the reasons that this podcast exists, you and your Momentum team. Um, In full disclosure to our listeners, I've been a fan of Jenny's since long before I ever met her. And I was thinking, I I used to always listen to the Pivot podcast, and I was thinking, I think it was January of 2020 when we actually met in person, right before the pandemic at Jenny Powers event. And I felt like I felt like a groupie that night. Everyone was making fun of me. But not too long after, when the pandemic set in, um, I had the opportunity to, to join your Momentum group. And thank God I did, because you and that community really got me through the pandemic and and inspired me to launch this podcast. So thank you. Oh my goodness. The pleasure is all mine. I remember that meeting in person and, oh, it was just great to connect with you. It's always so, so rewarding to get to connect. I mean, now more than ever face-to-face, but uh, especially with a podcast, it's, you know how it is. You're kind of talking out into the ether. You can't ever see listeners' faces or reactions. And so I was so happy we met. And I then know, um, I know. It was crazy. The community got me through as well, 2020. And it was funny, too, because when I did meet you, I felt like I knew you already. So you start talking about things, and I was, like, throwing things in, and everyone was making fun of me that night, but I didn't really care. That's the whole (laughs) nature of podcasts now, too, right? Because they call it parasocial relationships. There are so many people that I feel are personally my best friend. They just don't know I exist yet. (laughs) But I've known them for years. We're listening week after week, hearing an hour, one hour of somebody chatting is a very intimate experience, let alone if you've been listening for days and months, weeks, and years, as I have too, to some of my favorite shows. So it does feel, it is interesting how well we can get to know someone. It's just one-sided. No, I, I've, you know, I've long believed in the power of audio at as someone who started her marketing career in radio, um, I, I was into it long before we had, we could make it as easy as people like you and myself can just say, okay, I can start this right out of the comfort of my own home. But anyway, I know some of these answers already, but I know our listeners do not. So can you start with telling people where you're from? I am from San Francisco, California. I always had my eye on the Big Apple. I just didn't know if I could make it here, like the cliche song goes. But uh, yeah, I'm from the Bay Area. I went to UCLA for undergrad. I actually applied to all East Coast schools for college and just didn't get in to most of them. So I ended up in 
LA by default, which was not a bad place to be either. Hollywood's pretty exciting when you're <laughs> just going to school and, and going to like red carpet events. I saw Angelina and Brad walk the red carpet down in Westwood. And then I've been in New York City uh, for the last 10 plus years while I've been working on my own. And in between there, I worked at a startup in Google. So that's my, now you have my full timeline. Now with the full timeline, she kind of mumbled the Google part there, but um, that's, that is a big deal. And you worked at Google as it was on its way up as opposed to where it is right now. Well, I started 20 in 2006 when it had 6,000 employees and I was there five and a half years as it grew to 36,000. And the reason I mention it at all is that it feels as much part of my education as my undergrad experience, mm-hmm. Google was my business school. I, it was so, I worked at a startup that was also provided a tremendous experience because I was the first employee. So I was building everything there from scratch. And then at Google, I really got to see the inner workings and how does a company grow, grow at that speed? How do you onboard people, train them, keep them engaged? Because I was working in the people operations and training and development side of things. So I mentioned it because I spent longer at Google than I did anywhere else for my education. I know it, it, but you know, I, I do, I know that I learned a lot being in corporate and actually when people talk to me about being out on their own, especially my students, I always tell them that it's good to have a little bit of corporate experience, even if you want to be out on your own, just to have that because it's, it's kind of like, it's like another little degree. It's like a, you get a different kind of education, but you see how everything is put into action. And then it makes it easier when you go out on your own, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And you and you can learn from the good and the bad. So from the good, you're getting your education and not just in the structures of the company, but people managers, who, who's good at what they do and why and who's motivating. And then just as much on the side of when things aren't working, the bureaucracy and slowdowns or bad managers. And it, um, that's just as informative because if you're running your own business, you're the head honcho. And by the way, even if you're not managing other people, it's just as easy to be your own bad boss (laughs) to demand things and work on nights and weekends and not have good boundaries and not set the right parameters with clients. So I agree with you that every single job experience, I liken it to apps on your phone that gives you a new app. That is well, part of your arsenal. You know, that's actually very interesting that you said that. It's kind of a good segue right into your book and, and kind of what the book is all about is actually to help people not to be their own bad bosses, so to speak. I mean, I think about it, I didn't think about it like that until you just, until you said it. Yeah, the, the new book, Free Time, is is all about how do we, how do we optimize and free our mind time and if you have a team to do more of our best work because it's so easy to get buried in busy work, whether someone else is assigning it to you or you're assigning it or falling into that trap yourself. And for me, there's all these traps. I I see them almost like quicksand, especially with the last few years of tremendous change and tumult. I mean, the infinity pools of social media, the infinite inboxes, the every time a new app or software is introduced, we have yet another set of tasks Mm -hmm. on our list. The nature of technology is so fascinating. The fact that we we can run businesses from our phones, cell phones. I mean, that wasn't possible when I was starting even 10 years ago. And at the same time, we're just it's every single one of us is so inundated with inboxes and notifications and and apps, including Netflix and all the streaming platforms that are vying for our attention. The founder of Hulu said he's not competing with Netflix. He's competing with sleep. 
So they all are. It's like, I'm not saying everyone's out to get us. However, it does take elevating our skills and awareness to navigate this wild world of information and pings. No, we're constantly being distracted. We're living in a world of distractions. And that's why it's, you know, it's so hard to get your own messages out there. And yet, you know, I do want to get into the book, but I just want to touch on your business because you have been usually successful in, in building your business. Um, and, and I think you're a brilliant marketer, although you don't use a lot of social media, which is kind of interesting um, because everyone seems to, and I'm not necessarily in agreement on this, even though I teach it, that you have to be on, you have to have some presence on social media in order to be found, but yet you've managed to keep a real minimal presence and still build a usually successful business. So could you tell us a little bit about how you did that and, and actually exactly what you you do? Because you what I'm, as I'm seeing you right now, I'm seeing um, a slight pivot on what you do as opposed to what you were doing before. Um, so I guess you're another example of Jenny Blake walking the walk of what she talks <laughs> oh, and yeah. teaches I could and never, writes. Yeah, I could never write a book that I wasn't living. And, and I also think that whatever challenges each of us experiences, we have a front row seat to solving it. So I encourage people to look at their lives as patient zero, you know, you're the one in the Petri dish. And, you know, there are certain struggles and insecurities that I've had that like, for example, I wrote pivot because, well, let's start with life after college. I wrote that because I was feeling lost and lonely and alone. I had taken a leave of absence from UCLA and was working at the startup. I was the only employee. So the only one my age, and I just didn't know what to do. Googling things and YouTube and all these platforms forms to learn podcasts, they didn't exist when I was going through this experience. And so that book became this amalgamation of me reading like 200 other personal development books. Same thing with Pivot. I didn't feel very resilient. So I set out to say, how can we make this better? How can we get better at navigating what's next? Same thing with free time. It comes from the overwhelm. So first and foremost, yes, I try to walk the talk and I want to make sure everybody knows that really, there's no there there. I try to share the best of what I've learned and Mm -hmm. it's still always a work in progress. In terms of social media, I, I love technology and I know we share that in common, Joanne. And I got involved with Twitter very early on in 2008. I started a website in 2005, started blogging in 2007. So I, I did benefit tremendously when these platforms were early on. But I realized as the years went by and they become more about everyone standing on their own individual soapbox, sort of shouting into the ether and self-promotion and less of the community building, it just didn't interest me anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, I also realized that trying to keep up with social media inboxes and even the mainstream and replying to comments, it was really taking away my focus from doing deeper work. Mm-hmm. I love Cal Newport's book, Deep Work. I highly recommend it to listeners if you haven't already read it. I crave deep, meaningful, strategic projects. That's what I love building, whether it's a book or a course. And um, for me, social media just reached a point where it was distracting me and diluting my focus too much. I think for somebody listening, if you love it, if you really enjoy it, some people love Instagram, you know, they love posting and they love scrolling and they love replying to comments and they love uh, replying to the, any direct messages you get. That's great. I would never discourage anyone who genuinely enjoys it. 
But I find that what I need to give myself and others like me permission is that if you hate it and it's draining you, don't do it just because everybody says that you should. And I'm sure I could have a bigger platform if I was on social media more actively, but I don't know that I would have written my third book. Right. Exactly. So it's a trade-off. I, mm-hmm. I could say, oh, my numbers are so much bigger, but at what cost? Well, that kind of fits right into one of your premises, which is that question you pose, how can we earn twice as much in half the time with ease and joy while serving the highest good? If it's not bringing you joy, then then why what are you talking about? Why are you doing it? You know, what what what's what is in there? So it's kind of the tenant of what you write about and talk about. Yeah, there's enough around business building and work in general that is hard or gets challenging. And so this question, how can we earn twice as much in half the time with joy and ease is a reminder, focus on that intersection of joy and ease. And it's not that everything every day is always going to be joyful or it's always going to be easy, but we certainly don't need to make things harder on ourselves by trying to do it all. And this focus on joy and ease enables me to come back to what it is that I'm uniquely skilled at. Because for each of us, each of you listening, what feels joyful and what feels easy is going to be different for you than it is for someone else. I love problem solving in spreadsheets or new technology. I, Joanne knows I'm a big Notion geek. Notion.so is this platform you're, I you're use the to one who my business. You're the one who introduced yeah. Notion to me. So I love tinkering behind the scenes on this kind of stuff. And other people I know absolutely hate it as in like feel allergic. So I do think that when we, when each of us really stays focused on that, those joy and ease buckets, then we can get more creative about this piece. How do we earn twice as much in half the time? That's another one where there's no there, there it's this ongoing inquiry to say, where can I simplify and where am I getting outsized returns for my effort that I could do more of. So it's just constantly stripping away that which is distracting or draining and looking for those bigger pockets of joy and ease. And then I added while serving the highest good, because sometimes that helps me too, when I'm in a pinch, if I am having trouble making a decision or figuring out how to talk about something, I like to just picture what's the highest good for everybody involved, Mm -hmm. for me, for my team, for the community, for anyone that I'm interacting with. And uh, I think so much business, just reading a really funny book right now about Davos man, about billionaires who like don't pay their taxes and then claim to be the heroes of society. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And it's like, who are you kidding? You know? So I, I think it's so important in business not to just be focused on the bottom line. No, I, uh, I agree. And I think more and more people are seeing that you can make money and bring joy and do something for the greater good. Um, it can happen all at the same time. It doesn't have to be an either or. So that's really what you wrote this book for then. Is that right? Is to really show people how you can kind of take that left brain side and all that organization so that you free yourself up more for all those fun right brain activities, including creating more creating more great stuff for your own business, not, not just yeah. having fun. Yeah, it's exactly. It's my best strategies of what I've discovered over these last 10 years. I, I say in the introduction, I don't work full-time. I work free time. I believe that 20 hours a week is plenty. 
And of course, there's always more on the to-do list. I always have emails that go unanswered at the end of those 20 hours. However, 20 hour or 25 hour week is what allows me to also spend time with my family and read in the morning and work out in the afternoon and prepare a healthy dinner. I mean, there's just so much that goes into adulting that, <laughs> that I don't understand how anyone can do it. I, I mean, I, I, I admire everybody who's working full-time jobs, you know, I, but what I'm saying, this book is kind of a permission slip for business owners in particular, who are already shouldering so much stress and pressure from just running their entire operation to say, you don't have to do that. 40 hours a week. And here's some strategies that can free your time and your mind to do more of that, your best work, but also so that you're not just suddenly cutting off half your responsibilities. You're just getting them done in a, in a smarter, more efficient way. Yeah. And one of the things I want to point out to anyone who's listening is intrigued by this. This book is not just another, ha- it's, it's a how-to, but it actually gives you concrete things that you can use. You offer templates. It's not just, you're not just talking on a level of what this should be and how right, they should like be. Theoretically. Exactly. Yeah. That was the word I was looking for. <laughs> yeah. But, it's I, That practicality is so important to me because a lot of business books will say, automate and delegate. Okay. But how, mm-hmm. you know, what are the principles that enable us to think in terms of what to automate and how, and then Delegating is its own sticky thing that can go wrong in so many ways, and um, and I think I think too that it there's this myth, especially in startup world, of hustle and grind and all that. And it, at this point, people get it that that just mostly leads to burnout. But it's harder. It's harder to work less. So by me saying let's earn twice as much in half the time, that's harder than just grinding it out seven days a week in all your spare moments. It's hard to put the, close the laptop and close your phone and be present with whoever you're hanging out with, whether it's present with yourself, present with family members that you have around. It's really hard to do. As we said, going back to the start, because there's so many pulls for our attention. And so this is my best attempt to say, here are some practical ways that work. And you have a framework for this. Is that right? Um, Align, design, and assign. Can you talk about that? So that's the free time framework. The primary diagnostic is to look where in your life or work are you experiencing friction and where are you experiencing flow? And that if you think about friction to flow as a sort of spectrum, there are going to be parts of your life and work that are totally flowing. You're in the zone. You feel good. You don't notice time passing and then friction where things feel draining or difficult and it's kind of the bottleneck. It's blocking things. So wherever you're experiencing friction, that's where you apply the free time framework. Align, design, assign. Align. Should you be doing this at all? Does it even align with your values, your energy, your strengths? And maybe you need to tweak some things so that you realign this area of what it is you're doing. Then design is designing your ideal outcomes, the impact you want to have, designing a process so that when you get to the third stage, assign, A, you're not working entirely on your own, and B, 
you know what you're assigning. You're assigning a process. You're not just giving a set of problems to someone and saying, figure it out. So even with your podcast, Joanne, it's like aligning it with your values. And I even love right down to the name, marketing, mindfulness, martinis, you know, your values come through. <laughs> Everyone the title says alone. that to me. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I don't know if that's and, good or bad. <laughs> and I'm sure you've made many shifts in how you approach the process behind the scenes but even you're not here doing this by yourself. You know, we mentioned James, shout out to James, your audio editor. And um, there's so little that actually at, at the end of the day that we need to do entirely by ourselves. And I, part of the reason that a sign is the third stage of the framework is to push all of us to delegate more and figure mm-hmm. out who can we assign things to. We, you and I both live in the greater New York City area I've hired task rabbits for the most random things. <laughs> like they call them taskers. <laughs> People that will come do run an errand or go mail a bunch of packages. I mean, this is not limited to just people who own their own business and have formal employees. You can assign so many things in your life if you just get creative and, and start by kind of writing down at least what you could delegate. Yeah. And I think there's a, there's a mindset that sometimes happens, especially if you're just starting out, if you're a small business owner, even if you're a larger one and you're concerned about the expenditure, that there's a, uh, there's a little bit of a, a thing where it's like, well, you know, I don't want to spend the money. I'd rather save it and do it myself where, as opposed to thinking, well, if I spend the money, I'm going to make that much more because I have more time to put on for myself where it should be put, not on, you know, going and running to the mailbox and or the post office and mailing something. And it is such a chicken and an egg conundrum Mm -hmm. because I know exactly what you're saying. I'm experiencing this right now because there's this external podcast team that will handle way more than just editing. And, but the investment for the number of episodes that I produce, because I have two shows, free time and pivot, Mm -hmm it would be over $2,000 a month. And so there's part of me that goes, well, shouldn't I just keep editing episodes and scheduling guests and doing all this? For me, it's about you know, at minimum five hours a week, if not 10, not including recording. Long story short, what I do when I'm in this situation where I'm hesitant to spend the money, but I also see that I could free up a lot of time. <clears throat> Excuse me. I will ask, with those extra 10 hours, how can I earn the investment back and then some? Mm-hmm. So I'm not just looking to break even. I will say if I want to spend $2,000 a month, then, and I'm freeing up 10 hours a week, then how will I apply those 10 hours toward earning $5,000 a month? So I make it very direct for myself. And I always did this when I had coaching clients too. I would say, what do we need to accomplish together? to make this investment feel priceless, like a no-brainer. And I genuinely wanted to know the answer. That wasn't just a sales technique. <laughs> I would say to them, I want to know, we need to be clear on this so that as we work together, we know exactly what kind of ROI you're looking for. Not to be overly formal about it, but let's not be, have this be a guessing game. So if I'm going to hire someone for $2,000, then I'm going to be very strategic and intentional about how am I going to earn five or 10,000 or 20,000 as a result of freeing up that time? So in case you're, those who are listening haven't figured this out yet, Jenny is a systems geek, so to speak, and she loves all of this. And one of the things that's always amazed me about you, um, especially as I got to know you more in the last couple of years, is that as 
analytical as you are, you are still such a creative. And, you know, as much as you Thank love you. all your systems and how are we going to, tr- cause you track everything, but yet there's still this usually creative part of you. So you really, again, once again, are a walk in the walk and not just talking about it. Well, I really appreciate you saying that. I think one thing that struck me from the book, Daily Rituals, was how much structure, and my friend Jonathan Fields wrote about this too. He wrote a great book called Uncertainty, that some of the most creative people have quite structured lives outside of their creative windows. And for me, I also find systems design creative. Like for me, building the right spreadsheet, as nerdy as that sounds, that's a creative process for me because I am creating order out of chaos. So whether Mm. I'm color coding a bookshelf, which I've been known to do, not just for myself, but sometimes friends, I love that. So for me, systems and structure is a creative process because you're taking a kind of hairy, confusing problem, even if it's just a mess of data or you have like, it doesn't matter if it's physical chaos in your, in a room or don't get me wrong. I have a huge stack of papers that need to be organized right (laughs) sitting at my feet. So I, I think it's also interesting to look at how is each of us creative and creating something out of nothing. It's always creative, even if it doesn't look like a painting, you know, my husband and my dad are both painters, fine artists, and I don't have their visual creativity. But as you said, Joey, and I do love creating things and it's really important to me. And I guess that's why I am so curmudgeonly about anything that would take away from that. (laughs) Well, I I don't know. I mean, I I haven't seen the, as we're recording this, I haven't seen the hardcover yet, but I have read the PDF of the book and the design is you have an eye, someone helped you with that because the design of it itself is just absolutely beautiful. It's just really unusually laid out for it, for a book of this type, especially for a book of oh, this type in, in the most positive. I, I know it just sounds like I'm complimenting her like crazy, but no. um, my, but it's true. I, I, anyone who listens knows I don't give out compliments unless I really believe them. So, <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I appreciate you saying it. And we did, uh, there's an incredible team behind everything you're seeing, but it was important to me as what I'm appreciating about what you're saying is that something of value I had going into this was to not write another boring business book. Mm -hmm. And I I really think business can be so fun and empowering and playful. And I just wanted the design and the visuals and the brand. Like the cover has confetti, it has gold foil confetti. (laughs) I wanted to bring a sense of joy and ease and play back into this world. Cause I think so many business books are just these boring, dense, they're talking about military metaphors, you know, post-mortems and bullets and uh, just all the language is so aggressive and, and, and the stories and the anecdotes are all these like hard charging war stories or these aggressive metaphors. And I just thought, how can we have more fun here? So no, that is part of what I wanted to convey. Well, it's also the time we're living in. I had a, um, a, a, a guest on um, 
um, on, on my podcast, uh, Terry Kahn, and he wrote a book called Leadership in Changing Times. And when I asked him why he read the book, wrote the book, he said, because my students kept telling me that every leadership book I assigned was too boring. And because I was actually, one of the things that impressed me about that was the accessibility of the language. You know, it was much more, mm-hmm. it was more real, which made it more interesting and made it easier to, to absorb everything. So I think there's a lot there's a, there's a lot of that. But your whole idea is really about rethinking the way we live and work. This whole idea of, you know, doing less and, and doing less with how does it go again? I I've got all mixed up again. But doing, doing more uh, with less earning twice as much money in, in oh, half yeah. the time. Um but it's and again, even though you're geared towards the entrepreneur, this is like something that I think is just running rampant in our culture right now. Thank you the, to the pandemic. We're all reevaluating how much time we're putting into our businesses and how much time we may not have been putting into our personal lives and and trying to balance that all that that out. So I really think this is just extremely timely in that respect. Yeah, I feel like this time has sparked a lot of reflection for sure, and also a lot of exhaustion. A lot of people I know turn this corner into 2022. Yes, hopeful and optimistic. It's a new year and here's hoping it's not such a dumpster fire as the previous right. two. But people are tired, no. myself included. And uh, for me, this is about survival too. Just the way we were all working pre-pandemic, I think was such a frenzied pace and none of it, it was very hard. I won't say none. I won't use these absolutes, but it was really hard to Mm -hmm. say no and take stock of things and suddenly slam on the brakes. The one thing for all the terrible things that it brought that the pandemic, when it first hit, it got the entire globe to slow down and stay home and hunker down. And I don't know about you, Joanne, but there were moments of 2020 where I was so relieved not to have to say no or feel pressure to go to all these social events. Like maybe it's because I'm introverted and I enjoy being alone, but I was so relieved just that everything was canceled and I always had a good excuse. And, and so I think part of this is recognizing that we're all carrying so much and there's so much chaos collectively probably people of every decade could say that, but truly we're going through a once in a hundred years pandemic, at least stateside with a lot of political turmoil, a lot of uh, divide. Uh, there's Anyway, I won't go into that laundry list. We're all experiencing it. But for me, that means then truly, truly, how do we ease up on how we're working? How do we put enough structure, as you mentioned, enough structure and systems in place to create some margin and some relief in the system so we can carry everything else that these crazy times are demanding of us. I love it. I love it. So I know you're um, very busy. So um, I do want to, um, before we get to how people can get your book and all the goodies that you're giving, that you're offering, um, especially if people pre-order, because you can pre-order, I'd like to finish up with a little lightning round of questions. So I Oh, fun. I love a good lightning round. Okay, good. Um, I know, and this this one sounds really so ridiculous to ask you as you're not much of a social networker, but do you even have a favorite social network? Oh, gosh. <laughs> good question. A favorite one. 
Not really. No, I, I loved, um, at one point I had curated my Instagram feed to mostly show me puppies and bunnies and then little piglets, little tiny baby pigs. That was, that's what I was talking about. I will. Okay. Here's my answer. Reddit. I really enjoy Reddit. I think it's pretty funny. I I'm hardly ever on there anymore, but mm-hmm. I love a good meme and the humor and the intelligent humor of Reddit. Yeah, Reddit is one of those networks that people don't pay as much attention to, but they're going, I think, I don't know if they have yet, but I think they're about to go public. Um, I always say it's the least aesthetically attractive of all the social networks, Yes, but you can find your groups there and engage in really great conversations. Yeah, anything, any TV show you love, animals being cute, animals being brilliant. I mean, the level of humor. And then what I like is that it's not about the person posting. I get really, uh, I'm as prone to comparisonitis as the next person. And so when I'm on Instagram, I end up just feeling worse about myself, like how I look, what I'm doing in my life, where I live, like the whole thing, it just sparks such compare and despair. Whereas Reddit is all about the joke. It's just all about the humor or the discussion. That's what I love. I know. I agree. Okay. Something people would never guess about you. I go to bed at 8 p.m. if I can. Okay. That I, I don't think anyone, I wouldn't have guessed that. You, one. you knew that. You knew that. I figured you went to bed early, but eight o'clock is a bit much. Although I will like, say I, I've been known to go to bed before the sun sets when I was writing my last book. Wow. 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 Although I, I do get up in the dark and this morning I got up and the moon was still out and it was just quite, quite magnificent. Um, something, a streaming network of your choice of choice, which is your favorite. I love HBO. Yeah, I, I love you. Last series that you binged? I know you do watch this stuff. I'm a lifetime Sex in the City binger. Like 20 years I've been rewatching those episodes. Um, so the last series that I binged, though, two at the same time, Ray Donovan and Dexter. And I don't know why I got on this like violent TV path, <laughs> but um, I love shows where I can dig into this deep psychology. My husband and I love armchair psychologizing these kind of. Uh, dark, but thinking they're benevolent main characters. No, I, I was a huge Ray Donovan fan. In fact, I just watched the movie and I think they did, um, they did a good job with it. I was, I was pleased. It yeah. was, sa- it was satisfying. A food you can't live without? Salad. I what cheated. You, what you miss most, <laughs> what you miss most about pre-COVID life? Hugs. That's mine all the time. What motivates you to get up in the morning? Ooh, well, you said before sunrise, a quiet reading in the dark, in the quiet. Mm. And what is the one piece of advice that you would have for people who are listening who want to earn two times more in half the time with ease and joy, aside from buying your book, of course? <laughs> yeah. Oh, piece of advice. Listen to your gut. And the thing that came to me before that is say no. So they, those go together, two sides of the same coin. It's just when you feel that hesitation, in fact, a little adage that a friend told me many years ago for writing that sticks with me to this day, when in doubt, go without. So I will hereby give listeners permission that it, when you're experiencing doubt of should you do something, should you go, should you say yes, maybe the doubt itself is already telling you that there's a part of you that doesn't want to do it and that that's okay. Wonderful. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. So I know the book is um, launching on March 23rd, but you can pre-order it now. And I know you have all sorts of freebies and, and links, and I'll put all this stuff into the show notes, but can you tell our listeners 
a little bit more about all this stuff that you're ordering, yeah, that you're so offering. Thank you. Me. Thank you for mentioning it, Jillian. So if you pre-order before March 22nd, the launch day, you will actually get early access to the audiobook and the free time toolkit, and you can gift audiobook access to a friend. So I'm doing this through a private podcast feed, which means that if you're here listening, you already listen to podcasts. It can't, it's not through every app, like Spotify doesn't allow this yet, but um, I'm calling it the BoGoGo campaign, buy one, get one, give one. So if you pre-order the hardcover, you'll get early audiobook access and you can gift it to a friend. So you can start the year with free time. And you know, someone else, I heard this on another show. If you do pre-order, write your future self a gift note. So you can, for free, you can write a gift message so that when the book ships to you at the end of March, there'll be a little note from your January or February self. Well, that is, that's a really clever idea. I, I think I may yeah. start doing that when I do pre-orders. I know, right. I, I, I know we could do it for any book and all this, by the way, if you visit itsfreetime.com slash book. So that's it's ITS, itsfreetime.com slash book. And that's where you can put in your proof of purchase and everything and check out free time, the podcast or pivot wherever you listen to this one. Okay. And I will, and I will also put links to your former books because I still, I'm a big believer in the pivot method. I think it's just an absolutely wonderful book as well. So. Well, thank you so much, Joanne. Like I said, it's just a joy to be here. And I remember so vividly meeting you in person after being friends in another cosmic time and space. Like you said, it's like, (laughs) I know you you just didn't know you were my friend yet at that point. Exactly. Exactly. So I love when the universe folds in on itself. And then that moment is like, and then of course, when I met you, it felt like we had known each other already for a very long time. So just thrilled to be in touch and be here on your show. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Marketing Mindfulness and Martinis. If you liked what you heard, please share with your friends. Give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify so other people can find us and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. If you've got a question you'd like answered or a topic you'd like me to cover, please drop me a note. Info at joannetombrakis.com. And until next time, remember... Whatever got you to where you are isn't enough to keep you there.